0: I'm excited about the word that I have, but mostly I'm excited to just be here with you guys and to connect with you guys and and just to kind of share my heart, really. I had been planning to preach. Actually, me and Pastor Stephen have been talking about me preaching more often, so I think that I'm gonna go ahead and get on the schedule once a month. So I'm excited about that. So I've been kind of planning and praying, and I just really, really felt like God wanted me to speak prophetically over us today. I feel like he has a word for us. I feel like he has a prophetic word for us. I feel like it is going to break some some chains today, and not just individually, but corporately as Grace Place, the church. And so I'm excited. I'm a little scared. I'm a little nervous. And I'm hoping that you guys will receive it. I hope that I can give it in the way that you can receive it because I don't know if you, you really know me, but uh, finesse is not really my thing. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to try to be... Finesse, like and ladylike. I'm ladylike for sure. But my husband jokes with me because I, I, if any of you have ever read Francis Chan's books, they're intense, and and I highly recommend them. You should get them. I mean, it's really, really great. He he writes wonderfully. He has a great word to speak to the to the church. Um, but every time I read it, I leave his books feeling like I'm not even saved anymore. And then I get like really intense. And Stephen's like, you need two weeks to calm down. Don't talk to anybody, okay? <laughs> like, and so that's how I feel about the books that I've read here recently. God has really been leading me to ancient wisdom, to older wisdom. Um, I've been reading a lot of books by this woman named Elizabeth Elliot, And so you're going to hear her a lot in this. And she is, she's, she's been passed for about five years, I believe. She passed in her 90s. She lived a really long, good life, but I keep going back to her. I bought these books of like seventeenth century Christian writers, and I've been devouring the things that they've said. I listen I'm, I'm not even kidding about this. I've been listening to like old hymns, like I like I just I needed something different. What's out there right now is amazing. I'm not discrediting that. I think that what the pastors are preaching now is great, um, but there's just something in me that was drawn to, what was preached then that was kind of like a theology of suffering nobody talks about that anymore we don't talk about suffering and connecting with jesus we don't talk about what that means for the local church and today how hard it is and how rewarding it is all at the same time so that when something hard does come and when church does get hard and when serving jesus does get hard we think whoa i didn't sign up for this not realizing you actually did right and so My message today is going from surviving to thriving. And church, I just believe it today. Today we are going to have some breakthrough. And some of you have been just surviving. And today I know that Jesus is going to take you from that to thriving, even in your circumstances even when your heart is wrenching, even when you feel like you can't breathe, God is going to step in and he's going to move you past that from just merely surviving into thriving in his word with him connected to Jesus. So are you guys ready with me this morning? I'm excited. So bear with me. I'm a little rusty. So I'm not sure if by now y'all are sick of hearing Steve and I talk about the cancer diagnosis. I know we, we talk about it a lot, but... The devil did something in our lives and we came out the other end. So I'm going to use every opportunity to turn back that arrow back on him. And I'm going to use it to advance the kingdom of God because he didn't destroy us. He only made us stronger and by the grace of God. So as long as we can, we're going to use that to do some damage. right. That time in our lives definitely took its turn in shaping us as a family and individually. My husband obviously was affected. I was changed by it. Boston and Avia, they'll never be the same because of it. Watching their father go through what he went through, um, being in a family that went through cancer. And I don't say that in a dooming way. What carries my confidence in that is that the word of God and my firm belief in it is in me. I love it. I love the word of God, the hard, the good, the uplifting, the encouraging, the slap me in my face, like, what did that mean? Part, you know, word. So I want you to turn to Romans 8:28. And you know what? God's challenged me, and I'm going to challenge you guys. He's been challenging me to, to bring my Bible to church. We use our phones, right? But there's something about bringing the word of God in written form to look at it, to write in it, to circle things and say, man, this, you know, there's something about that. Again, I might just be like all into like old times right now, but, um, but it's where I'm at. So I'm going to encourage you to do it. So Romans 8:28, and it says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are call- called, called, where did that come from? <laughs> called according to his purpose. That was weird. Okay, Michael Molinas, a 17th century Christian writer, put it this way. Even if these times are caused by the devil, you are nonetheless in the sovereign hand of God. And these things will turn out for your gain and spiritual profit. We relied on our gracious father for our survival in this time. And all we had strength for was survival during that time that Stephen was going through that. It was definitely a pride-destroying time in our lives here we are about to like conquer New York City. We had grit, dreams, and a call, and we were gonna like, New York City was just never gonna be the same because our family stepped on, on this little island, right? That's just how we believed it. God called us, he backed us, here we go. There were miracles that had gotten us to this point, and we just knew that this is what it was going to be like. But how many of you know um, plans, how plans work in the kingdom of God? They don't always work out the way that we think and the way that we play it out in our minds. Write this scripture down, and I want you to memorize it. So if you have your phones, take a note. I want you guys to write this scripture down. It's Proverbs sixteen nine. Within your heart, you can make plans for your future, but the Lord chooses the steps you take to get there. This, I'll say it one more time. Proverbs 16, 9. Within your heart... You can make plans for your future, but the Lord chooses the steps you take to get there. This will save your heart a lot of pain and resentment. Fully understanding this and getting it in your heart will keep you close to Jesus in a season of mere survival and delay. Right? When things are delayed, when things aren't going your way, and you're just merely surviving, and you're wondering, God, what are you doing? We had a plan. (laughs) we had a goal, like we talked about this, you know. Um, I always joke, you know, I'm like, Lord, help me help you. Like I'm serving you, like let's let's do this together. What's going on? Because in our imagination, we picture it in a way that brings me most glory. But in God's plan, it's what brings him most glory. Because that's the glory that will last. That's the glory that will not just affect us, but those around us. That's the glory that will bring eternal Change for those around us. That's the glory that will scream the name of Jesus, not my own. I say all of that to say this. The Paramala family is done just surviving. We're done. That season is passed and God has moved on. And where he goes, so do we. And I feel the tide turning and I fully believe that we are moving from surviving onto thriving. I fully believe it. In Exodus 33, 14 through 15, it says, God said to Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And then Moses said, if your presence does not go with me, do not bring me from here. He refused to move if God wasn't going to move. And he refused to stay if God wasn't going to stay. And that's where we're at. I'm god has moved on from this survival mode and he's moving on to thriving and he's saying will you go with me church or do you like the attention of just surviving you know i'm not gonna lie there were times when stephen was sick there were times that we talked about it a little bit and this might sound like kind of deranged so if you (laughs) i'm just gonna say it anyway sorry if you (laughs) think of us differently um but there are times where like we miss kind of what he was going through because um we would be really like comfy, cozy together, and there was times where it was uninterrupted. It was just me and Steven, someone would be with the kids, and it was time that we just had together that we'd never had before and it had to take cancer to get that to happen. Um, there are times when people would just say, Hey, here's some money. Let me bless you. And we were like, Thank God, because the light was about to go out. You know? There were times when people were like, Hey, let me cook you a meal, you know? And so that was nice, you know to not have to cook, <laughs> you know, and someone to just bring like a full-on cooked meal, that's nice. Surviving can bring a certain kind of attention to you that kind of lets you be a little bit, um, kind of can let you relax just a little bit or on everything else that kind of, it alleviates a little bit of pressure, the attention that it can bring you from others. But thriving, people say, oh, you're good. You don't need me, right? You're good, but that's a good place to be, right? Especially when you're surviving with Jesus. Why is this important to you? Why is what we're doing, why is our stance of saying, I'm not surviving anymore, I'm thriving, why is this important to you as a church? Um, It's because we're the head of the church. And it would be naive of us to believe that the church has not picked up on that mere survival. And the devil has not, and it would be naive of us to believe that the devil has not tried to use that season to his advantage to shape our church and leave us tired and worn out from the fight. At this point, as a church and as individuals we are merely surviving, living our life day to day, like one who lives paycheck to paycheck, never knowing if we'll have enough. Do you feel like that's you? Let me ask you this. Does church wear you out even before you walk through those doors? Is your quiet time the last thing on your mind? Are you struggling with the same issue for a prolonged period of time? Is your this one's important I, I wrote this down and the lord was speaking to me and i was like dang okay and i put it down and i was like okay god and it spoke to me i was like okay that's I'm, I'm really guilty of this is your relationship with god not intentional but situational my god right and i sat there for a minute in that and i'm like lord do i just come to you when situations arise or am i intentional about meeting you loving you connecting with you hearing from you or do i run to you because i'm in trouble And only when I'm in trouble. Is it intentional or situational? As Christians, in a season of survival, God provides that grit to go along with it. Praise God, right? That ability to withstand the high-speed winds, and I've known that God-given grace. I've spent my life surviving. I've spent my life in that season since a little girl. A very, very little girl, I've spent my life surviving. But when that season is over, and we stay in the mode of survival, we lose the grit and become apathetic and resentful and exhausted. When God's telling us to move on, live, thrive, live in the word that I've given you, but we like that attention of surviving or we're stuck in that mode, we start to become resentful. We start to become exhausted and we can't figure out what's going on. I am saying and I am declaring as a leader of this church that we are moving on. And because God has moved on, we will thrive along with him. And I'm ready for that. Are you ready for that? Are you ready to just feel the excitement of what we're doing here in Hamilton Heights? Are you guys ready to see the fruit that God wants to give the Grace Place NYC? Not because we're special, but because we're faithful. Because we believe that Jesus changes lives. We believe that it's not about who stands up here or who's on the worship team or how big it is or how big are all the seats that are filled here because the goal is not to be popular. The goal isn't to tickle people's ears. The goal is to get people who were once lost to be found. And it's our job to light the path to shine the way to Jesus and say, hey, I was where you're at before and I'm better, right? I'm better for it and I'm thriving. Thrive is defined as to progress towards, um, sorry, progress toward or realize a goal despite or because of circumstances to grow vigorously or flourish. And I'm sure there are many ways to thrive in the kingdom, but here are just the ones that I feel like the Holy Spirit has given me to equip you. And number one, and I can't take credit for this because I heard someone say it and I thought it was amazing Um, (laughs) count the cost and then count it all a joy. My goodness, Pastor Kristen Wilkerson said that. Um, and she's a pastor here in the city. She said, count the cost and then count it all the joy. And Luke 14, 26 through 28, I think we have that. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, that sounds intense, right? You're like, okay, i to hate my mom. But let me clarify this. In the sense of relative disregard for them in comparison to the attitude that we have towards God, right? It's He's not saying to hate everybody in your life. It's saying love God more. Yeah. Love God more. He cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross, express the willingness to endure whatever may come and follow after me, believing in me, conforming to my example and living, and if need be suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me, cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a watchtower for his guards, does not first sit down and count the cost to see if he has enough to finish it? In James 1, 2 through 4, he says, counted all a joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds for you will know that testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing it's not easy you guys living up to those scriptures yeah. it's not easy but it's worth it it is so worth it do you view christian life that way in light of this scripture do you look at that and be like totally worth it <laughs> kind of hard right do you live your christian life that way but it's time to look at what the word of god says in light of what this life means and say i'm going to count the cost and i'm going to count it all the joy and i'm going to go for it because the life isn't about you we live all this life together you guys what i do affects you what i do affects the person across the street i mean what i i need to believe that what i do in this life has an effect that just doesn't have to do with my own kids we all matter here together and we are all living here together for a reason at this very time there has been billions of people that have come before that will come after us and we have to be kidding ourselves to think that we don't make a difference there's a reason why you're here there's an absolute reason and it's worth it to find out it i'm kind of a side note Stephen told me not to do this keep on track but i'm thinking about it so i'm gonna say we were singing (laughs) that song we were singing and it was saying i can't remember the whole words but finding out like who you are i've come for who you are and a lot of us come to church to find out who am i god Mm -hmm. god tell me who i am Mm -hmm. you guys in this church you're not going to walk in these doors and find out who you are Mm -hmm. i don't have that kind of power Mm -hmm. i don't have that kind of insight i'm not that smart but we will show you who god is And help you get to who God is because he created you and he is the only one who can tell you who you are and what you're created for if you open the Word of God trying to find yourself you're gonna be a little bit sorely disappointed because that can only take you so far the Word of God is to show you who God is and he will show you who you are so have you counted the cost and even more than that have you counted it all a joy have you counted the cost of a church plant? And then you got to count it all a joy. Have you counted the cost of Christian community? Meaning time out of your day, intentionally connecting, having that awkward first conversation. <laughs> if you've never met them before and you said, let's go to coffee and it's really uncomfortable. <laughs> Have you counted the cost of connecting in your church community, even in its awkwardness and then counted all the joy? Count the cost of kingdom growth and then count it all the joy. What does that mean? Kingdom growth to you. Does that mean speaking to a stranger on a subway? Also awkward. Um, does that mean talking to your neighbor, talking to your coworker, feeling that stretch in who you are in the part of your personality and then counting it all the joy? Count the cost of spiritual growth, waking up early in the morning because you know you're not going to do it at night. You know, taking time out of your day, taking your lunch break and bringing the word of God and reading it, and then count that all a joy. Count the cost of persecution because of your faith and count it all a joy. You guys, that's where we're kind of heading. We're honest with ourselves. It's hard to be a Christian in this day and age. You got to prepare yourself, know what the word of God says, and be ready for whatever comes, and then count it all a joy. Count the cost of conforming to Christ's example and count it all the joy. Now, if we conform to Christ's example, what is that? Dying on the cross. <laughs> His example was my life for yours. Count that all the joy. There are so many times and opportunities in our lives where we can say, all right, in this situation, my life for yours. I'll consider you before me. If you're a mother, you already know that life, right? That's kind of like forced on you. <laughs> you know, a, either You know, it's always my life before theirs. Um, down to food, although I have gotten pretty selfish with that lately. They don't know what's what's hit them. They're like, you used to share with me. I'm like, that's my chocolate and mine alone. You've had enough. Like, I'm no longer sharing. That's done. (laughs) Our love for Jesus takes us face to face with the declaration, whatever it takes. But your living and active response to that declaration will determine if you can thrive in this world living an authentic Christian life. If you want to um, follow into Christ's example, you've got to live that whatever it takes to Jesus kind of faith. Otherwise, you're not going to thrive in an authentic Christian life because we're going to hit that road, that fork in the road and say whatever it takes, but not that. Whatever it takes but oh, that just is really uncomfortable, Lord, even though you see it in the word of God. You kind of kind of have to surrender to that. Let me clarify what I mean. The Holy Spirit nudges you to speak to a coworker, neighbor, friend or stranger about Jesus. You either can have the attitude of whatever it takes or insert your excuse. God wants to stretch you, train you and pull you out of your comfort zone in personal evangelism. Cue the Friday Night Lights announcement. We all saw that, right? Friday Night Lights, we're going to go out there, we're going to speak to people about Jesus, we're going to invite people to church. Whatever it takes, or insert excuse. Oh, it's a little late. I'm very tired. The day went by, it got away with me. Oh man, you know what? Some friends called up and they kind of wanted to go out, so there's going to be more. Whatever it takes, or insert excuse. I don't want to be single for the rest of my life. But Jesus is wooing you to draw closer to him so you can experience true healing and heavenly love first before connecting to another soul. But the requirement is to set aside time for him. Whatever it takes, our insert excuse. God is calling us to step up and serving in our local church. Whatever it takes, our insert excuse. (laughs) And I hope you guys go with the whatever it takes part. An authentic Christian life can be determined by the scripture in James 1:22 through 25. But prove yourself doers of the word, actively and continually obeying God's precepts, not merely listeners who hear the word but fail to internalize the meaning, deluding ourselves by unsound reasoning contrary to the truth. Goodness. For if anyone only listens to the word without obeying it, he is like a man who looks very carefully at his natural face in the mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he immediately forgets what he looks like. But he looks carefully into the per- but he who looks carefully into the perfect law and the law of liberty and faithfully abides in it, not having become a careless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys, he will be blessed and favored by God in what he does in his life of obedience. It's obedience, church, and we don't like to hear that word. My kids sure don't like to hear that word. You know, obey. But I started to notice that when I use the word obey to Avia, she really does listen. Like, more like pleading with her, Avia, come on. But when I say obey, she'll, like, roll her eyes and then go. So try that, you guys. (laughs) I'm like, obey. I'm going to start doing that to y'all. Obey. (laughs) You know, but that's what it is. It's obedience because, you guys, sometimes this is hard. Sometimes it's hard to obey the word of God. Sometimes it's hard when God says, um, come near to me and I will draw near to you. That's a commandment. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Obey. Because guess what I get from obedience? Jesus is drawing near to me. And what does obedience look like for drawing near to Jesus and he drawing near to me? Opening my word, reading the Bible, spending time with him, getting on my knees and praying. Going to bed, before we go to bed, praying for someone other than ourselves, right? Obey. John 14, 12. Oh, sorry, I missed this part. Write this question down based off of this scripture. What am I doing with what I've heard? Write John 1, and then write, what am I doing with what I've heard? With what you've heard about the word of God and what you believe to be true, what are you doing with that? You've heard a word that you were like, so good. Amen. That word spoke to me. What have you done with it? What have you done with it? I mean, has it just been something that was cool and you liked it? And that when it spoke to you in that moment, what have you done with it? John 14, 12 says, I assure you, and this is amazing, you guys. And most solemnly say to you, anyone who believes in me as Savior, this is Jesus saying this, not me, just kidding, don't, don't believe it in me, believe it in Jesus, will also do things that I do, and he will do even greater things than these, in extent and outreach, because I am going to the Father. In doing what Jesus does, in believing in who he is, we will do greater things than he did on this earth. You guys, he rose people from the dead. You guys, people were walking around with leprosy, losing appendages, and he healed them and they were made whole. He spit in the ground and made mud and put it on someone's eyes and they could see. He believed in a woman, believed for a woman who was bleeding for years and years and years of her life. And he said, you have been healed because your faith has healed you. There is great things that Jesus did on this earth that are true, that have happened. And we live with that knowledge. What are we doing with what we've heard? If you've heard that Jesus can heal, and if you heard that he's given us the power to do greater things than him, what are we doing with that? Are we praying for people or are we nervous that it's not going to happen? I've prayed for people and one time I, I, I prayed for a baby that, was, um, that had passed away and we'd gotten permission to be able to go in. I've never seen a sadder sight than that. I've never experienced anything um, quite like that before to walk into a church with the baby laying there and it was just me and my friend and the baby. And I thought, this. I'm going to pray and see if this baby comes to life. I'm going to be a doer of this word. Fortunately it didn't happen, but I tried it. And I'm going to keep on trying it. I'm going to keep, and even if they're not physically dead, but they're spiritually dead, I'm going to lay hands and I'm going to pray and I'm going to speak life, life-giving words to people who are dead inside. Because God brings life. Jesus brings life. And a lot of us have friends and family who are walking dead. And you have life-giving words that can change the trajectory of their life. What are we doing with what we've heard, church? Mm -hmm. It's time to be able to get face-to-face and count the cost and count it all the joy. It's going to take our time. It's going to take our pride. Mm -hmm. But we need to start doing it because we don't have a lot of time on this earth, right? Right. The Word of God says that it's but a breath. You know, I feel like yesterday I was five years old and I'm like, I'm 25. (laughs) I'm not 25, but I'm not telling you how old I am. Doing whatever it takes to follow Jesus is a cost that we must all count. Loving God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul will help you count it all the joy. You got to love him or this will be really hard. You got to love Jesus. And in order to love somebody, you got to spend time with them. I love my husband because I spend time with him. And I love him when it's hard because I spend time with him. I love him when it's not easy because I've spent time with him. And I've seen him. Number two, cut our losses. That's how we're going to move from striving surviving to thriving is cut our losses. Philippians 3, 8 through 10 says, But more than that, I count everything a loss. Compared to the priceless privilege and privilege and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and growing deeply, uh, growing more deeply and thoroughly acquainted with him, a joy unequaled. For his sake I have lost everything, and I consider it consider it all garbage, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, believing and relying on him. Paul said this. We cannot thrive in this life if we continue to pine for the things, people, dreams we have lost or never had. We know in our hearts that Jesus is enough, but some of you need to be convinced in your minds. Jesus and only Jesus is the goal, period. Everything else outside of, of that you can live without, you can thrive without. But if you are convinced that you can't survive without a love life, or you can't survive without your dream job, or you can't survive without drugs or alcohol, or you can't survive um, without a certain way of life, then you certainly will not be thriving in the areas that count the most, the area of life that has eternal value. All things outside of Jesus you must be willing to not hold so tight to. Right? I told you I've been reading Elizabeth Elliot. And her story is one of pain and loss, and she preaches out of that. She speaks out of that. She was a widow, uh, I want to say, three times. Her first husband, she lost when she was very young, and they'd only been married about 18 months, and they had a little baby. And he was a missionary. And so, Jim Elliott. And so he was out, and he went, took a plane, and was dropping food to a remote village to... um, um, a tribe that had never heard of Jesus before and they were trying to get doors open to be able to translate their language and give them the Bible in their own language. Um, they were indigenous so, and they were hard to get to. So they dropped food and then they left and then they came back again thinking maybe that opened the door. So then they landed five pastors, one was Jim, five missionaries, all husbands, right? All had families and they ended up spearing him to death, all of them. So then Elizabeth Elliot gets a call and says, we've not had contact with Jim for five days. Um, so look, the outcome doesn't look too good for you or for him, but we don't know yet. We haven't found anybody. So she said immediately, she sat there in that and she started to think like, I could be a widow. My daughter could be fatherless. And then she said, this scripture ran through her mind. I count everything a loss when compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. She even said, I consider it all garbage. She says, if, if it's just me and you, Jesus, we're going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. Who says that, right? Yeah. Like, my goodness, what a hard thing for, for someone to say. But she could not place a full reliance on something or someone who could pass from this life to the next. Some of us want to place our reliance on things that can go away. We place our whole world on things that are not, um, won't last forever on this earth. Neither will our families. They'll go to heaven if, if they've given themselves to Jesus, right? And she knew that. She knew where Jim was. She knew he's fine. He's in the loving arms of the Father. I'm going to be just fine because so am I. She cut her losses, even in grief, and continued to rely on the one who could shoulder her fully. God is omnipresent. He is throughout all of time, from past into present and on to eternity. He is the only rational solution to place our reliance on. The only rational solution. If I place my reliance on other things, I can, they can't carry me. They can't carry that weight. I'm not built to carry that weight. You're not built to carry the weight of someone's full reliance. I can't rely on my husband for stability it's jesus because he is my rock i can't rely on the love of my kids for fulfillment it's jesus because he is the cup that never runs dry i can't rely on fame or being known for being known and seen it's jesus because he has called me by name he has called you by name i can't rely on gifts talents and abilities for my worth it's Jesus because I am his chosen treasure. You are his chosen treasure. And on a side note, my husband loves those. In 1 Peter 2.9, it mentions chosen treasure. And that the Hebrew word for that is sigula, which means a special treasure or possession. It is used to describe guarded wealth. Indicating the placement of king's jewels and treasure, you know, like the king's guarded treasure, like the queen's jewels, they're guarded and they only come out for special occasions. It's in a safe, protected place because of their extraordinary value. And God says that each believer is a priest and king and his unique and special treasure is of great importance, a treasure above all other treasures. He calls you that. He guards you. He's the only one that can fully and completely and because Jesus loves me like that, and he backed up his words with his life, he didn't just tell me he loved me, he showed me he loved me. Right? Who who there's nobody on earth that could do something like that for you? To 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 die, and not just die. I mean, there's people who will like step in front of a bullet, right? And like, but can they come back to life on their own? Can they go down to the depths of hell and take the the key, to keys of life back from the devil and say, I did this for you. Only Jesus can do that. And because he loved me like that, it's all worth it. And because he loved me like that, he's all that I want. I'm not going to lie, it's hard sometimes to continue on and, and live this life. Some days are harder than others to count the cost. It's true that I would, be, I would be lying to you if I said that it was really easy and, like, I just was born this way and I could, like, love Jesus. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's a fight. Sometimes it's, like, again, help me help you, you know? Why am I struggling to spend time with you? I love you. And we're always faced with that question, right? And there's never an answer. Like, I want to spend time with you. Why am I not doing it? <laughs> like, I don't get it either. It happens. But I think that if we bring that to light and say, everybody struggles with that, guys. We can all hold each other accountable and say, like, how are you doing with Jesus? And not feel ashamed because we know it's hard, too. That's what community is, is to look at one another and say, how are you doing? How are you doing, not just in life, with Jesus? What's Jesus speaking to you? And we can say, you know what? I've been kind of far from him lately. What can I do to help you? Let me send you some scriptures. I'm going to text you something. I'm going to pray for you. And when we have that in mind, we can really truly be a community of believers that uplift one another because we say, you know what, brother over here is struggling. I'm going to send him a prayer. I'm going to send him a scripture because if he's not opening his word, he's certainly going to get it in my text, right? We need to uplift each other in that way. And guess what that means? Exchanging phone numbers, guys. You guys got to (laughs) get each other's phone numbers. You guys got to get to know each other. The third is embrace suffering. This one is by far probably the toughest. In order to thrive with God, with Jesus, is to embrace suffering. In Philippians 3.10, it says, and this, so that I may know him experientially, becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him, understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely. And in that same experience, the power of his resurrection, which overflows and is active in his believers, and that I may share the fellowship of his sufferings by being continually conformed inwardly into his likeness, even to his death through suffering. Jesus thrived in suffering because he continued to love through it. Jesus dying on the cross is the greatest act of thriving that ever was and ever will be. His sacrifice opened the door for you and for me to eternally thrive with God the Father. He demonstrated a my life for yours grand gesture. And for some of us, if suffering entails benefiting solely others, we bow out. Like it's time to go. For some of us, if there is any sort of cause for suffering, we're like, peace. I'm out of here. It's been really great knowing you, but I'm not about this life, right? I don't want to suffer if I don't got to suffer. Elizabeth Elliott said this, I told you. She's all up in this. Our vision is so limited, we can hardly imagine a love that does not show itself um, in protection from suffering. The love of God did not even protect his own son from suffering. He will not necessarily protect us, not from anything it takes to make us like his son. A lot of hammering and chiseling and purifying by fire will have to go into this process. Jesus will not necessarily protect us, or God will not necessarily protect us from anything that will make us like his son. Right? Right? We want protection from a lot of things. We want protection from suffering from this earth. The goal isn't to live a life that has been untouched. It's to live a life that conforms me to Jesus. It's to live a life that gets me whatever it takes to get me to look more like the Father, to look more like Jesus, because Jesus changes lives, because Jesus brings eternal life, right? And so I will do whatever it takes to look like that, right? And sometimes that entails some suffering. Sometimes that entails saying, this is really hard right now, God, but I'm not gonna throw a fit about it. I'm gonna trust you. I can't change my circumstances, but I'm gonna trust you. And I'm gonna just, I'm gonna say kind things right now in this season. I remember when we were told that Stephen, in fact, had cancer the second time. And um, I was so angry angry with God because I fully believed he was like healed like we've said this before over and over again like we thought we were gonna launch the church and be like God healed Jesus people were gonna pour into those doors because there was a healing that took place that preceded our church launch like we thought that for sure but I remember being so angry hearing the words that he indeed had cancer so we sat down at this on this bench and in my mind I thought if I don't sing his praise right now I'm gonna say some really harsh things to him and I feel like this is a fork in the road between my love for God based off the words that are about to spew out of my mouth. Um, and so instead, I said, Stephen, let's just worship God. That's the only thing that could keep me from saying what I, how angry I was and cursing him. I wanted to curse God. I was so mad at him because I saw how hard my husband worked. I saw the faith that he had. So to not answer that, I was angry. But I know... God is faithful. I knew that, right? Um, and the only, But I didn't feel that. So I just went with what I knew, and I just worshiped God because I knew. I, w- I didn't want to say those ugly things, but that was a fork in the road for me. He will not protect us from anything that makes us like Jesus. Do you want to be like Jesus? Is that the goal for you guys? Is that the goal for me sometimes? Sometimes it's not. Sometimes I'm like, if this is what it takes, I really don't want to be like him. (laughs) I'm like, do I really want to be like you, Jesus? Um, Just a little bit. Um, We need to stop despising the Father for hardships in our lives. It's counterproductive, you guys. If you believe that God is good, then you must believe that he can and will work all things, including the bad, together for our good. If you believe God is good, if you believe that's who he truly is in nature, when bad things happen to you, you have to believe that he's going to work it out for your good. Otherwise, why would he allow it to happen? If you believe God is sovereign and something horrible happens in your life, if you believe that God's good, you need to get it in. Then God, if you allowed it, you're, you've got something up your sleeve. Yeah. And I'm going to wait on it. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to wait for it. Because of that belief, you will come out the other end of it refined and more like Jesus and ultimately, you guys, more fulfilled. Jesus knows what we need, and he knows how to get us there, right? He sees the big picture, and sometimes we only see just two feet in front of us, and we think, God, how in the world can you work that out for my good? They don't make sense what I'm going through right now. How could you possibly work this out for my good? But he can and he will. It just takes patience and full-on trust. Romans 8 says, I'm convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled within us. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. I'm gonna repeat that again. I'm convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled within us, not us in, not to us, in us. How many times might we have missed glory unveiled within us because we quit too soon under the weight of suffering? How many times might we have missed God really moving on, be- on our behalf, moving on behalf of others because they're a witness to our lives and we proclaim Jesus? The point is, is to see God's love re- revealed within us so that other people can look to us and say, Jesus is real. Yep. Right? He is real because he moved in their life and I know her. I know him. What are some things that you feel like you have to suffer through because of your choice to serve Jesus? Because remember, all of this Paul is saying because he served Jesus. All of this suffering is because he served Jesus. So there's going to be a price to pay because we serve Jesus. There's going to be a cost. Co- ca- we have to count the cost for something. And, and I don't mean to sound so heavy about it. Stephen's like, well, I was telling him, he's like, you got to kind of liven this up a little bit. Um, <laughs> it's all worth it. I have fun. I have fun doing what I do. It is fun to see people's lives change. It's so fun. It's so fun to see someone who is struggling with one thing, and then you show them the word of God, and then that breaks. It's so fun, you guys. It's fun seeing people's life light up. It's so fun seeing kids walk through those doors whose family don't have Jesus, and their lifestyle reflects that, and they get to come here and feel love. The hardships, it's worth it. What are some of the things you have to suffer through because we serve Jesus? Is it set up and tear down for church? I have to suffer through that. Suffering. (laughs) (laughs) It's every Sunday, you guys. Is it sharing your faith even though you're a major introvert? It's not your personality. It's not how I function. I don't don't talk to people for no reason. (laughs) (laughs) Is it having to be patient with God when your prayers aren't answered right away or at all? Mm -hmm. Is suffering... Um, because we have to say no to a dating potential or love interest because they don't have a relationship with Jesus? Trying to be unequally yoked? Is it speaking up for those who cannot speak for themselves regardless of the opposition? Paul was convinced that all his sufferings were nothing compared to what he didn't even have yet, right? Paul was talking about the glory that will be unveiled within us. He was still, like, being chased, being stoned, uh, being locked up in prison i don't know if he thought that was completely glorious <laughs> right like this is god's glory within me he didn't even have what he was preaching about yet neither did abraham neither did everybody in the old testament they spoke to something that hadn't even happened yet happened yet and they died believing it could you do that hear god's word not see it on this earth but believe he'll give it to you in the next and the next life we have to have kind of faith like that guys What it encourages not our generation, but the next. There's people who will follow after us and it's about what we leave for them to follow. If we have faith for it, then they'll have faith for it. He was convinced because he allowed the truth of what Jesus did on the cross for him to overwhelm him. We have to be overwhelmed with love by what Jesus did for us. We do, I'll say it over and over again, Jesus dying on the cross knocks, sweeps me off my feet. It sweeps me off my feet. That kind of love, to love me that way, knowing who I am, what I am, what I've done, nothing to deserve that kind of attention, and he did it for me anyway, sweeps me off my feet, you guys. I I get overwhelmed by that kind of love. Anytime I think about it, I can't. It just, it blows my mind. The word of God says that while we were yet sinners, He still died for us while we were yet who we are. And a lot of us feel ashamed or embarrassed to come to God or come to church. When I get right, when I, you know, I'll fix this, I'll fix that before I, I volunteer or I'll do this before I do that. Um, You know, before I come to church or before, you know, I I attempt to even pray for somebody, we're going to spend our entire life trying to perfect ourselves when God is the only one who can perfect you. And then we avoid him. We can't do that on our own. Jesus is the only perfecter of our faith. And he wants to do that for you. And it's time for us to stop trying to figure out how to do it on our own before we come to him. And you know, when Paul mentions his sufferings, he really means that he suffered. I'm going to quickly read this to you guys. Um, He said he's been flogged excessively, (laughs) multiple times to the point of death. 39 lashes from Jewish leaders. Three times he was experienced beaten with rods. He said, once they stoned me. Three times I've been shipwrecked. An entire night and day he was adrift in open sea. He's faced many difficult travels, dangerous situations, perilous rivers, robbers, foreigners, even from his own people he had to to watch out for. Um, He said, I've survived deadly peril in the city, in the wilderness, with storms at sea, with spies posing as believers. I've toiled to the point of exhaustion and gone through many sleepless nights. I've frequently been deprived of food and water, left hungry and shivering out in the cold, lacking proper clothing. This was all for the gospel. This was all for Jesus. And besides the painful circumstance, I have the daily pressure of my responsibility for all the churches with deep concern weighing heavily on my heart for their welfare. I am not aloof for who is desperate and weak and and do I not feel their weakness? Who is led astray in sin and do I not burn with zeal to restore them? At the end of it all, Paul brings it back to the church. At the end of all of those sufferings, he brings it right back to the church. The bride of Christ, it is his love for the things that Jesus loved that caused his sufferings in the first place. He loved what Jesus loved and it caused him suffering. But it's that same love that continued to help him push past the suffering and go back for more. It's like the woman who submits her body to host a life, right? To be pregnant and go through hard labor to bring that life out. Then do it all over again for another life because you think another baby would be cute right? They do it all over again, knowing the suffering her body must endure first. Yeah. Do it all over again, already knowing what happened the first time. In the business of bringing life, the suffering is worth it. I look at my, my two kids. I said three kids. I don't have three kids. So I have two kids. <laughs> I look at my two children and I would do it all over again for them. And I did it without pain medication. I, I, went, I went the all natural route, right? Do it all over again. It's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. Um, Regardless if you get an epidural, there's still pain in that, right? There's still stretching in that. There's still all kinds of things in that. Um, It's not for the faint of heart, (laughs) especially to look at it. Um, But it is incredible. But to bring life, they're suffering through that. They're suffering through it. To fight for it, especially when they don't believe in themselves. If you're fighting for somebody right now, if you're connected to somebody who doesn't believe in themselves and you're like, I don't know what else I could tell them, right? It's hard to bring life, especially to someone suffering. We also have to look at another kind of suffering, the kind that happens through no direct fault of our own, the kind that exists because we live in a fallen world and a free will, right? We all have free will and people do things that hurt us. People do things that hurt the world. That's the world we live in. Like. We live in a world of cancer diagnosis. We live in being infertile, right? Death of a loved one, abuse. We can go on and on and on. Elizabeth Elliot puts it like this, suffering is having what you don't want or wanting what you don't have. Sums it up, even the things that we can't control. And it's hard to believe, especially in the most extreme of circumstances that we can survive, let alone thrive in times like these. But Jesus speaks this truth over us and it's so good. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He calls himself gentle and lowly. He doesn't wanna take advantage of you. Sometimes we run into the arms of people that we think are love and they take from us and they don't give. Right, They take advantage of us. Their love is a broken love, so it hurts. They love you the best they know how, but it still hurts. Mm -hmm. It leaves you more empty than what you came in the first place. That's worldly love, right? It happens. We're all broken people just trying to get by. But the difference between us and people um, that can't get up from it is Jesus. Jesus says, come to me because I won't love you like that. I'll fulfill you in my love. I will bring you rest in my love. Jesus, in his great and proven love for us, is the key to our relief. It's the key regardless of any circumstance of change. I got saved when I was 15 years old. And my dad, um, I love him. We're a good relationship. Um, but back then, he was an alcoholic. And he um, would say a lot of mean things to me. And he there was some abuse suffered at his hands. Not super physically, thank God, but enough to, to, to do some damage on a little girl, right? Um, and so I got saved, and I was so angry because when I was on my knees, praying to God, getting saved, I heard the voice of God speak to me and say, I need you to let go of your hate for your father. Mm-hmm. And I was so angry at that because I'm like, that's my only protection. Like, my hate for him guards me. It protects me. It keeps me on good edge to, like, you know, make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm sharp. And he said, lay it down because if you can't forgive me, I can't forgive you. If you can't forgive others, I can't forgive you because it's not that he won't do it. It's that my heart is so filled with hate that his love can't penetrate. It, your heart and your life becomes so filled with things that, that, that we deny the good things that could come to us from Jesus. It's not he's saying, well, if you don't do it, I ain't going to give it. It's, that, it's not the attitude that Jesus has towards us. It's your heart is so full with something um, that's taking up space and you don't have room for me. And he said to let it go. And I cried and I cried and I was angry. And I was like, how could you ask that of me? So I let it go, right? I'm like, okay, God, we're doing this. I let it go. And that day I was never the same, never turned back from 15 till now, never looked back. But I say that story because my suffering didn't end i didn't go back home i thought it was going to i thought it was going to go back home my dad was going to like miraculously be saved and like i where i was gonna have a smooth sailing from there it got worse (laughs) the abuse got worse the words got worse the anger got worse towards me um it didn't change and it didn't change till he went to prison you know i didn't live in a house i never lived in a peaceful home with my family that wasn't in the cards for me, and I don't look back and be like, poor me, I wish I could if I could go back. That's not, but I just didn't. As a child, with two parents in the home, I never got to see a peaceful home as a child. Didn't happen for me. But I went through it, and I got through it, and I thrived through it because Jesus is and was my relief. He was the shoulder I cried on. He was my safety net. He was the one that I could pour out all my anger to right back out again when I needed to. He is the relief even when things don't change for you. And he um, champions us for the things that he has us to go for, the things he calls us to. He is a one-stop shop for everything that we need when things are good and when things are bad. But like I said before, we can't live a situational love for God. It needs to be intentional because when situationals arise and we don't feel like he answered it quickly, it's so fast to turn away from him. It's so fast to, to leave him and deny him. I want to end with this, and I'm, I'm sure you're like, amen, because I feel like it took a really good long time, so I won't be much longer. Galatians 6 9 says, Let us not grow weary or become discouraged in doing good. For the proper time we will reap if we do not give in. I say this with love so please hear my heart church we're not supposed to be fully worn out because we come to church even a mobile church like ours we're set up and tear down is the norm for the foreseeable future this is what it's going to look like not the amount of people in the chairs but that's going to grow you guys but set up and tear down don't get me wrong I'm believing for a church building miracle but this is what it is set up and tear down is what this is going to be where we don't own this building, um, this is what it is. But we gather because there is eternal purpose in what we do. We gather because we want to be a space where others connect to the heart of the Father. We gather because there are people who do not know where they'll end up after this life. But if they come to a house with people who have grown weary and doing good, what good are we to the kingdom? What are we saying? about our good and loving father. If they come into a house where we're just weary, worn out, and just surviving. They come into a house where, where the, 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 the children of God are have just barely passed by the skin of their teeth, who they are don't know where their next breath is coming from. What good are we to the kingdom of God? What good are we to the lost if we're feeling like, I'm just keeping my head above water, right? Do not grow weary or become discouraged in doing good, for we will reap if we do not give in. Let's not give up. Let's start to thrive. Let's get over being tired. Let's get over being exhausted. And we do that, but getting through it, it doesn't just magically disappear, but it's us saying, you know what, I'm just... I feel what I feel, but God's going to be my strength and he's going to give it to me. And if you guys aren't having your quiet time, if you aren't spending alone time with Jesus, if you aren't reading your word on your own, and if Sunday morning is your only source of word, you're going to have a hard time. Pastor Stephen cannot be your only source of food for the gospel. He cannot be your only source of of strength to live this Christian life. He's not strong enough. And he's an amazing preacher. I I think so. I mean, I know I'm biased. He's one of my favorites. Right? He's good, but he's not enough to sustain your personal relationship with Jesus. Just Sunday only isn't going to cut it. You guys have to develop one on your own, and if you don't know how, let's get together and I'll help you figure it out. We'll help you. We have a purpose and a great purpose, and God has given us the tools and resources to finish the race before us and finish it mentally, emotionally, and spiritually intact. Teacher, I'm sorry. I'm I'm almost done, so if you want to come up. it's a funny thing about running and how at the end of the race, runners are completely wiped out, right? Like they are completely exhausted, but they are also filled with endorphins. So they get this like high of pleasure, right? Like they've run and they're, but they're smiling and they're laying down. I don't get it. Like I'm, I, there's not a running bone in my body. There's not one part of me that ever wants to do that, but they do look happy. <laughs> I mean, they're just there like panting and breathing and smiling. Um, that's called endorphins. That's something that God gave you. That's, he created us that way. Right? It's a hormone that causes a rush of feeling pleasure. You guys, there is great pleasure in running this race that we are called to, but we won't feel the pleasure in doing the work if we don't have a deep connection to Jesus. You guys, some of us are feeling, are doing the work, we're running the race, doing it not connected to Jesus and wondering why we don't feel the pleasure. Jesus gives us the pleasure. We're running, we're doing the work, we're coming to church, we're setting up, we're tearing down, we're tired, we're getting resentful, we're getting angry, we're wondering when is this gonna end? And all of that is solely, I, I don't wanna say only, but a big part of that is, is if you're running the race for Jesus and not connected to Jesus, you're not connected to the source that replenishes our strength. Yeah. To do this work, it's hard work and it's good work and you'll finish this race well, panting and breathing and smiling. Right? Looking up and being like, whoa, that was exhausting and amazing. But we exhaust ourselves for the Lord without the Lord. And we don't think it's amazing. We do it without him. And then we wonder, what's going on? I want to live for you, God. I want to do this for you. But this is wearing me out. Because you're doing it without him. Living for Jesus is not supposed to be without Jesus. (laughs) Right? It's not worth it then. It's, it's, it's challenging enough, this world. But Jesus is going to, I, and I know this because he's done it for me. He's done it for my husband. He's done it for so many people. You're going to run this race. And if you connect with Jesus and you connect with him fully and in your heart, you guys are going to thrive. It's time to thrive no matter the cost. It's time to thrive no matter what loss we get and it's time to thrive regardless of the suffering we go through and all of that is contingent on Jesus someone says how can you thrive in loss how can you thrive in suffering it's possible with Jesus it's not it doesn't make sense on earth And James it says that there is worldly there is worldly wisdom and then there's heavenly wisdom we need heavenly wisdom We need heavenly wisdom for a work like this we're doing good work here in hamilton heights and i cannot wait to see what god is going to do through you through the power of your testimony but we got to be strengthened for it we got to be thriving for it we can't we can't be barely making it you know and jesus wants to move you past barely making it and thriving in your hearts and souls and i hope you guys i know i took a little bit I think I took a little bit long. Please don't tell me it's been two hours. I will be embarrassed. Um, but I, I want to pray for us. I want to pray for us this morning. And if you feel like that was you, um, you know what, let's just all stand up, if that's okay. If you just stand up. If you feel like right now you're in a season of, you've been in a season of surviving and you're done with it, You're tired of just surviving. You're tired of just getting by. And you are ready for God to step in and rely on him and him alone and get that rest that he was talking about. To feel the yoke be easy again. The burden be light again. Some of us are feeling like in ministry and God's burden and Jesus' burden is heavy and his yoke is not light. We feel like you lied to me, God. (laughs) We feel like you did not tell truths here right? Some of us feel like, man, ministry kind of heavy. But I, I, I kind of would beg to say, maybe we've been doing it without Jesus. Maybe we've been doing it without fully connected to the Father, without surrendering our hearts to him, without spending time, intentional time with him. If you feel like you're in that season, raise your hand for me. We're just going to pray, but I, I want us to raise our hand. I want us to look around and say, you're not alone. We're all surviving here, <laughs> and we need to stop. We need to start thriving. It's time to thrive, church. And that's what we're going to do. And that's where we're at. And I'm just going to pray over us right now. And then we're going to have you guys lead us into one other song. But that is what I want to do. Let's pray.